On May 25, 2020, 46-year-old George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota after police officer Derek Chauvin pressed his knee to Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. When video of the incident spread, the nation's public, already suffering and weary due to the coronavirus, turned their collective attention to another virus that had already been plaguing the country for centuries, racism. Citizens across the nation, across the world, have taken to the streets to raise their voices in protest against police brutality, institutional racism, and to demand justice and action from local, state, and national leaders. Naturally, the news cycle changed. Turn on any news station or visit any website, read any publication, and it's almost as if there never was a coronavirus at all, or at the very least that it was a thing of the past. After all, last week, the state was already in the early stages of reopening the economy, and life seemed to be on its way towards returning to quote-unquote normal. But the truth is, COVID-19 is still here. There is still a very real and very serious global pandemic, one that studies show most severely affects the very same communities that people are out fighting for. We know that black Americans fare worse than other groups on virtually every measure of health status. And it has become all too common to blame this on individual behaviors, when in fact the science is clear. The root cause of health inequities is racism and discrimination, and how it limits access to the very opportunities and resources each of us need for optimal health and well-being. L.A. County Health Director Barbara Ferrer. So this begs the question, how can people continue the very important act of fighting against inequality by gathering in public and having their voices heard while staying safe and keeping others safe in the midst of a global pandemic? One in which distancing yourself from others and avoiding crowds is shown to be one of the most effective ways of slowing the disease's spread. Here are some practices suggested by Dr. Ferrer and other experts on how protesters can reduce the risk of COVID-19. While you're out with others, please wear cloth face coverings. As much as possible, please practice physical distancing, keeping six feet apart from everyone else. There's a lot of risk at these gatherings becoming super spreader events. That is events where a great deal of transmission of the COVID-19 virus is happening. We'll need to work together to prevent these events from resulting in many more people becoming seriously ill from COVID-19. Please take care for and protect all of the people around you. Wearing your face covering is a much-needed act of kindness and respect. The last several days, news reports and social media videos have shown police using their tear gas and pepper spray to disperse crowds. Now, health experts are speaking out, saying that such practices should be abandoned by law enforcement as they only help to further spread coronavirus. Those exposed to tear gas, pepper spray, and other respiratory irritants will cough and scream, possibly sending infected droplets from person to person. They're also causing people who may be wearing masks to take them off and rub their eyes, nose, and mouth, exactly what health officials were telling people not to do when COVID-19 first emerged. There's currently an online petition asking local and state governments to stop using tear gas, smoke, and other tools that would cause respiratory issues for exactly this reason. For months, local leaders have been instructing citizens to stay home as much as possible, limiting their movements to essential activities. Standing up against injustice is an essential activity, even in the midst of a deadly disease. 
But health officials remind us it remains our individual responsibilities to continue to take the precautionary measures to protect ourselves and others from COVID-19. Right now, our nation needs healing, and when it's time to heal, many people turn to religion. Just last week, along with retail shops, restaurant dining rooms, barbershops and salons, places of worship were also given the green light to reopen, as long as they ensured their ability to follow new safety guidelines. Christina Pascucci recently spoke with a local pastor about how his church will aim to provide a place of safety and comfort in these troubled times. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come today. You would heal us. American religious leaders are grappling with the reality of helping congregations heal in the midst of two historic events. You have the coronavirus pandemic and civil unrest following the death of another unarmed black man at the hands of police. This should not be happening to African-American men in America today. This just should not be happening. We should be more, we've got to be more thoughtful, caring, and just as a country. And it, we've just got to go there. And we've got to all agree that this sh- it just cannot happen. It cannot continue to happen to African-American men. I am Dr. Danny Carroll, the senior pastor of Water of Life Community Church in Fontana, California. Pastor and Dr. Carroll leads an evangelical megachurch in Fontana, California that serves roughly 8,000 people for weekend services. He made headlines when he decided months into the quarantine, it was time to reopen the church's doors. He laughed when I asked, expecting his answer, our church is essential. <laughs> I think that churches are beyond essential. The history of our country is that churches have been a vital underpinning and undergirding sustaining entity in our whole culture. And even today, when you look at the things that are going on in our country and the George Floyd things and the, the, the desperation that people feel because of social injustice, and that's the church's place. We've got to stand up for situations like that and people like that. Sensing the need and the anxiety people were feeling in his congregation, the pastor decided to defy California guidelines that said only 100 people could gather for religious services. As soon as the guidelines came out, my phone rang, governor's office, how do you feel about the guidelines? I said, how would you feel about them? It's discriminatory, you know it doesn't work. We've got 10,000 people and so many of us do in our churches every weekend, and a hundred people doesn't work. Do you want me to run a service every hour for the whole week? What are you thinking we can do here? The church decided to open its doors to three times the number permitted by the state, which the church felt still allowed for conservative social distancing. We had 300 people in our worship center last weekend, and before I could speak, they stood up and started applauding for over two minutes. Wow. Oh, it was emotional. There were tears running down my face. And I'm like, yeah. please stop, stop. And they're like, no, we are so happy to be back. We're so grateful. Water of Life Church says it made sure parishioners were safe and they asked high-risk groups to stay at home. But wait until you hear what they do with the toilets. Everybody's got masks on the whole time. 330 people in 3,300 seats. You know, it's very safe. We actually have people monitoring the bathrooms. We have clean and dirty on each toilet, so every time it's used, somebody goes in and cleans it. We're way over the top. And I've been sharing all this with the governor's office saying, why won't you guys come to the middle and work with us? So you may know churches are in stage three, as are any religious institution, along with nail salons, gyms, and weddings, to my dismay. 
The governor said he would revisit the current guidelines for churches mid-June, but for now, Pastor Carroll is going to refocus his efforts on working with African-American religious leaders to create real change and healing following the killing of George Floyd. Visit wateroflifecc.org for more information. We'll have a link for that and more on our website, ktla.com slash coronavirusweekly. If you missed our announcement earlier this week, Christina and I are now releasing new episodes once a week every Friday, and we have a new name, Coronavirus Weekly. If you're already subscribed, you don't have to do anything. You'll still receive new episodes as soon as they're released. If you're not subscribed, consider doing so wherever you get podcasts. Just search for Coronavirus Weekly and leave us a five-star rating and a review while you're there. Christina and I really appreciate the feedback. As always, you can reach us on social media at KTLA Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. And Christina is at Christina Pascucci on Instagram, at Christina KTLA on Twitter. We'll bring you a new episode of this podcast next week. Until then, thanks for listening.